Hello, this is Ramanoh Radio of the India Forum. I'll be speaking with Dr. Radhika Kapoor, Senior Fellow at ICREA Delhi, about her recent work on the labor market in India. Dr. Kapoor has worked extensively on the employment and unemployment situation. On the India Forum, she wrote one article in September 2019 on the labor market as revealed by the periodic labor force for 2017-18. Uh, that article was widely read and commented on. She has now written about the PLFS 2018-19. My first question, Dr. Kapoor. The PLFS 2018-19 was released a couple of months ago without any controversy, unlike the first report for 2017-18. Can we say anything about how the unemployment situation changed between the two years? This was when the economy was already slowing down, but before the pandemic hit in 2020. Thank you, Ram. It's a pleasure to be speaking with you at the India Forum. Uh, you're absolutely right. There was a considerable amount of controversy around the release of periodic labor force survey data last year. Part of the controversy was a consequence of the fact that we saw an open unemployment rate that was considerably higher than anything uh, we had seen in the past. In contrast, the release of the data this year has been relatively silent. Nevertheless, the employment scenario remains a dismal one. The data from the periodic labor force survey 2018-19 tells us that there really hasn't been any improvement in key labor market indicators. To begin with, if you look at the open unemployment rate by the usual status, this declined marginally from 6.1% in 2017-18 to 5.8% in 2018-19. Uh, If we look at the current weekly status, which is really a more appropriate metric to look at in economies such as India, and also a measure in we should anchor the policy discourse, given that we now have annual data on the labor force and no longer just quinquennial data, uh, that rate has remained close to 9% in both uh, the PLFS report of 1718 and 1819. If we look at the structure of the workforce, again, we don't see any significant change from last year. Three quarters of the workforce continues to be engaged in self-employment and in casual work. And regular wage salaried workers account for just about 23.8% of the workforce, though I should note that this has seen an increase of one percentage point compared to last year. And this is a good thing. But if you actually dig a bit deeper and look at the conditions uh, of work in regular wage salaried employment, we find that the share of regular wage salaried workers who were not eligible for any social security benefits, in fact, increased from about 50% to 52%. So what this is telling us is that informality within this category of regular wage salaried work is on the rise, uh, and that is a worrying trend. Now, one statistic that I'd like to draw your attention to, which is particularly alarming, is the high rate of youth unemployment that we have observed in the PLFS data both last year and this year. The youth unemployment rate stands at over 17 percent, and the unemployment rate for educated youth is, in fact, at about 25 percent. What these numbers are telling us is that we are really staring at a very serious crisis of youth unemployment. And this is actually pre-pandemic data. And now that we are staring at a significant collapse in growth rates, we know that hiring rates are going to be depressed. 
the possibility of youth, educated youth, finding the kind of regular formal jobs or good jobs that they would like to do is rather bleak. This challenge of youth unemployment is only going to exacerbate. Uh, and to the extent that this could actually have a scarring effect on their careers and lead to the emergence of what the ILO is calling a lockdown generation is, is actually deeply worrying. Uh, now, amidst all this gloom, uh, let me conclude my answer by pointing one positive uh, statistic in this report, which is the rural female labor force participation rate. Now, we all know that female labor force participation rates in India have been low and they have been declining over time. But in this year's report, what we find is that the rural female labor force participation rate has, in fact, increased by 1.8 percentage points from 24.6 percent in 2017-18. Now, what is driving this um, is, is unclear right now. If it is a consequence of slow wage growth in agricultural sector, declines in income, then it means that this increase in labor force participation rate is in fact a distress-driven phenomena. And that might not be a good thing. But if it isn't, then this is a positive. Uh, nevertheless, this needs a uh, deeper digging. Second question. The focus of your article is on what the PLFS 2018-19 could tell us about the impact of the shock inflicted by the pandemic. You point out that the unemployment rate, as estimated by the CMIE, jumped sharply in April, as was to be expected, and then surprisingly declined a bit in June. What do you think could be the reason for this decline, even if the rate is still high? The only data we have in the labor market for the period after the COVID shock is from CMIE. What their data is telling us is that about 122 million jobs were lost in April and only 21 million jobs came back in May. So the unemployment rates for both these months when the lockdown was in its most stringent shape and form was over 23%. But in the month of June, we are actually seeing a sharp recovery. Unemployment rates for India stood at about 11%. In rural India, uh, the unemployment rate was about 10.5%, and for urban India, it was 12%. Now, in rural India, the decline in unemployment rate in June is actually not so surprising, uh, because we now know that there was a huge increase in the number of people employed under Narega, and also because of the Kharif sowing season. The sharp decline in unemployment rates in urban India is a little surprising, given that there is no safety net like Narega here. But we also have to remember that unemployment in countries such as India is a luxury enjoyed by a few, and most people cannot afford to remain unemployed. And in this particular crisis, people have witnessed significant loss of income for almost two months, so they certainly cannot afford to wait and sit around to find a good job. So they would have pretty much done any work that came their way, even if the hours of work were less or wages offered lower than below. So these people would technically no longer be reported as being unemployed in any labor force survey, but they would certainly be underemployed and their terms of employment more precarious. So informal and self-employment is likely to have increased since people cannot afford to remain unemployed. And this is actually borne out by the fact that the CMI data tells us that the recovery of 70 million jobs that happened in June uh, was actually concentrated in informal jobs, mostly small traders and wage laborers. And in fact, going ahead, it is possible that the unemployment rate remains low. But this actually is simply masking the very serious problem of underemployment. You also write about a number of studies from the World Bank, ILO and by independent researchers that say the pandemic has pushed hundreds and millions of people deeper into poverty. 
Were you surprised with such findings? We have several post-COVID surveys which are telling us how a significant number of households have faced financial distress to the extent that they don't have enough money to buy even essentials for a week. Uh, both the World Bank and the ILO are telling us that the number of poor are likely to increase in India. Now, this is all indeed quite depressing and disturbing because there is a serious fear that we are going to reverse the declines made in poverty reduction over the years. But in some sense, you know, uh, this is not so surprising because if you look at the quality of employment, in particular earnings for most workers, as I've reported in the article, a fairly large share of workers in India are actually earning what is below a decent minimum wage. Uh, and this is, you know, particularly true for most workers other than those who are in regular formal jobs. So at the level of earnings uh, that they are getting, it is unlikely that they would have built up a financial buffer to weather a crisis. So when these people would have witnessed a significant loss of income, as they did during the lockdown, uh, many of them are likely to have been pushed uh, deeper into poverty. I think it's also worth noting in the context of this discussion on poverty that we have been extremely successful in lifting millions out of poverty. Uh, but, you know, much of the gains that we have made have been in terms of the extreme poverty line, which is the $1.9 a day. The poverty headcount ratio by that has declined quite sharply from 50, from 46 percent in 93-94 to about 21.2 percent in 11-12. Uh, but this extreme poverty line corresponds to a very basic level of subsistence. If we actually look at our performance vis-a-vis -vis other poverty lines, uh, for instance, you know, the median poverty line of $3.2 a day, that in fact has not been so stellar. Uh, for instance, even in 2011-12, the poverty headcount ratio uh, by the low middle income poverty line uh, was 60.4%. So given that, you know, you still have a significantly large proportion uh, of, of households that are below this median poverty line, it is likely that a shock of such a magnitude would have pushed many of them even deeper into poverty. Now, of course, one can't put an exact number to how many people were pushed deeper into poverty at this point, because unfortunately, most of our discourse in poverty is still anchored in consumer expenditure survey data from 2011-12. Finally, you speak of the need to strengthen and rebuild the labor market in India from the bottom up. What would that mean in concrete terms? As I've written in this article, a disproportionately large share of the COVID-19 shock has been borne by those who are at the bottom end of the earning and the education distribution. And these are the people who are also in informal and precarious work arrangements. Going ahead, as we lay out a roadmap of revival, it is important that we focus on those who are at the bottom. We create better paying jobs for them and more secure jobs. Now, this is going to require a mix of various strategies. One is that our growth strategy needs to focus on sectors that are actually more labor intensive and can create employment for those who are low skilled, unskilled and are at the bottom uh, of the education distribution. You know, as we all know, India's structural transformation has been marked by a shift straight from agriculture to service led growth, leapfrogging the phase of manufacturing growth. And this pattern of structural transformation has created relatively few opportunities of employment for the relatively less educated. So what we now need to do is turn our attention to those sectors which can, in fact, create employment, good jobs for those who are at the bottom of the distribution. 
We can we need to turn to look at labor intensive manufacturing and construction because these have greater ability to absorb these kind of workers. What we also need to ensure concomitantly is that all workers get a basic minimum level of social security and the need for that is now more apparent than ever before. What we also need to ensure that we give decent minimum wages to those who are at the bottom because as is evident from the data in the article most of those who are at the bottom in particular if you look at casual workers they are just really struggling. The reason I use the word focus on the bottom is also because when you look uh, at unemployment rates, when we typically look at unemployment rates, our attention always goes to the unemployment rate of those who are educated because that unemployment rate is very high. The unemployment rate for those uh, who are at the bottom of the distribution is typically quite low, but that masks the fact that their conditions of employment and quality of employment is in fact quite poor. And before concluding, let me tell you one final reason why I think that the focus on the bottom is important at this point. Um, if you look at India's growth story, as Ratan Roy has argued, that has been driven by consumption of the top 100 million. And this has now plateaued. So we're basically facing a structural demand problem. And the question that arises is that where is the demand going to come from? One option here is that we actually turn to look at the bottom of the distribution, you know, particularly because these people have a very high marginal propensity to consume. So if we can, in fact, enhance their earnings, create better paying jobs for them, create more secure jobs for them, this can go a long way in fueling demand and growth, this time from below. So the focus on them actually becomes very important. Thank you very much for your time, Radhika. For listeners, if you'd like to read Dr. Kapoor's article in full, please visit www.theindiaforum.in, the website of this digital publication, and read our article in the August 2020 issue. You can also find our 2019 article on the PLFS 2017-18 on the site. Thank you for listening.